Rainmaker FM. Copyblogger FM is brought to you by the all-new Studio Press Sites, a turnkey solution that combines the ease of an all-in-one website builder with the flexible power of WordPress. It's perfect for bloggers, podcasters, and affiliate marketers, as well as those of you who are selling physical products, digital downloads, or membership programs. If you're ready to take your WordPress site to the next level, see for yourself why more than 200,000 website owners trust StudioPress. You can check it out by going to rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. That's rainmaker.fm slash studiopress. Well, hello there. Good to see you again. And welcome back to Copyblogger FM, the content marketing podcast. Copyblogger FM is about emerging content marketing trends, interesting disasters, and enduring best practices, along with the occasional rant. My name is Sonia Simone. I'm the Chief Content Officer for Rainmaker Digital, and I like to hang out with the folks who do the heavy lifting over on the Copyblogger blog. So you can always get extra links, resources, free stuff, and the complete show archive by pointing your browser to copyblogger.fm. So today I thought I would talk about kind of a big copywriting idea, um, which is about how to develop your big copywriting idea. And the whole point of this is to shape an idea about who you are, about what you do in a way that makes that idea compelling to somebody else. And that kind of opens up the conversation for you to talk to them about whether or not they should hire you or whether or not they should work with you, buy your product, buy your service, etc. So, the writers in the audience will have a lot of interest in this because this is really very much about how to construct what's called a copywriting premise. Um, but the non-writers in the audience also, I think, will benefit from it because this process, you have to kind of do this process with your ideas, whether writing is your primary way you think of yourself, or even if you're working with a writer or um, connecting with a writer to get the word out, you still have to kind of go through this journey with your idea to refine it and make it something that's going to interest another person. So before I get started, I just wanted to remind you that our content marketing certification program is going to be opening very, very shortly. Um, this is a program that exists to take really good, strong writers and turn them into really good, strong, well-paid writers. And we open it once, maybe twice a year. So if you have an interest in being one of our recommended copywriters, being on the list of people that we say, this person's an awesome writer, you should hire them, then you do want to get on the list. If you, again, point your browser to copyblogger.fm, um, I'll get you a link where you can get that done and just find out the details when the registration is open. It's only going to be open for a very brief time, about a week. So you kind of have to jump on it when it comes up. All right. So I mentioned this word, the premise, and my colleague, Brian Clark, um, thinks a lot about the premise. He spends a lot of time working on the premise of a new product or a new approach to marketing an existing product or a new way, uh, you know, a new idea 
that he wants people to sort of take up and make their own. Really, any act of persuasion or conversation needs to start with this idea of a great premise. Your argument is based on a premise. And so I went through our library of free ebooks. We have a library of free content marketing ebooks that you can have access to anytime you want to. And um, I rated one of those ebooks for today's podcast because um, Brian is really smart about stuff and he writes really good ebooks. And so I'm swiping some of his ideas with full credit. And I want to talk about how he broke down this idea of developing your overarching idea, your, your important idea that's driving your message to three elements. And so I thought it would be useful to break those down today, kind of see how they go together. And then I'll let you know how to pick up that ebook because he has some ideas following the premise about how to actually deploy it, how to actually, you know, write the content, write the copy that actually uses the premise. So here are Brian Clark's three elements of a great premise, and these are very much road tested, road tested by us at CopyBlogger, but, you know, by many other businesses and many other great copywriters. So these are things we've observed, not something that we somehow, you know, invented out of thin air. The first element is unpredictability. So some kind, something that makes you stand out from the massive, boring clutter that we see every day and that we just tune out because it's not interesting. I think that Dan Kennedy was the one that said being boring is the first sin of marketing. That might've been Bill Glazer. I'm not sure. But it's, you know, it's a verifiable fact. Being boring will kill your attempts to persuade anyone because people just have too many interesting things to pay attention to. And that was pretty much always true. It's double true now, right? Now we have a lot of interesting things and they're all right there on our computers. And it's, it's difficult not to go waste our whole day looking at those interesting things. You have to be interesting. And you get there by having some element that's unpredictable in what you're presenting. Now, there are a lot of ways to do this, and then there are some not very helpful ways to do it. So some ways that I see work really well. Um, sometimes you can get an unpredictable combination of things. So, for example, when I give a talk, most of you know that I have pink hair. It's pretty um, unmistakably pink. It's not like almost red. It's pink. When I give a talk or when I, you know, present an idea somewhere, I will often, you know, match the pink hair with like a nice, rather traditional navy sport jacket. So I like to have a combination of kind of a, you know, a punk rock sort of thing, pink hair with something more buttoned down, more professional, more tailored, just because that juxtaposition is interesting, right? People are like, well, I've seen people with pink hair and I've seen people in Navy sports coats, but I'm not sure that I've seen like a lot of people today that have both, which is why I do it. It's why I don't get on stage in sort of 
torn jeans and Converse and and a leather jacket. You know, I mean, I, I own such things, but I don't wear them on stage because that's part of a package that I feel like we've seen a couple of times before. Whereas putting on something that makes us look twice a little bit, just gives us that element of unpredictability. I remember one year at our live event, I wore a doctor's coat for my talk. And I love doing that because the first thing you thought when you took, you know, I walked out on stage was, what's that? Like, what's the doctor's coat about? It just immediately kind of gives a question and it wakes people up a little bit. And that's what you need your unpredictable element to do. Now, some other unpredictable elements that can be used really, really well. So you can you can combine things that don't always seem to go together. Uh, personality and voice, writing voice, speaking voice uh, can be very effective. I mean, think about somebody like Gary Vee. You know, he's so he's visually maybe not what you expect from a, you know, super wealthy business guy because he's kind of got that grunge thing going on, but his personality is so like happy and over the top and intense and passionate. That is a great unpredictable element that makes people listen to his business advice. It just captures their attention. Humor is another great one. If you can pull it off, if you're funny, then humor works really well because humor is primarily based on sort of making a surprise in a way that, that makes us laugh. You know, that's where laughter kind of comes from is there's some element of, of the unexpected. Now here's what this element is not. Unpredictability is good because it's interesting, but we don't want you to go over into being erratic right? We still have to be credible. This is not about being a train wreck where nobody can figure out what you're going to do next because the last 10 things you did made no sense. So unpredictable, yes. Train wreck, no. All right. The second element, and it's really important and it's, I find it really difficult. I think we find it really difficult at copy blogger because we do like nuance and we do like complexity, but a premise, this kind of big idea, this big umbrella idea has to be simple. It has to be something you can just get. And I don't mean to dumb it down. I don't mean to make it so simple that it's just not very intelligent. It's about clarity rather than dumbing it down. And clarity is, um, is hard to come by. It really takes a lot of just spending time with the idea and seeing, could I distill this further? Could I make this more clear, more simple, more transparent? So at the moment, I'm very, very fortunate that we have our wonderful editor-in-chief, Stephanie Flaxman, and she does, you know, 98% of the editing on the Copy Blogger blog. But that used to be me who did all that editing. And the first and most important thing I did with almost every single guest post that came in was I simplified it. I went through and I got rid of fancy words that didn't need to be fancy. And I got rid of complicated sentence structures and I made them simpler and I broke thick, chewy paragraphs up into to smaller, more digestible paragraphs. And so often my process was a post would come in and I would do a simplification pass. I would just go through it and just looking for what could I make simpler and clearer and then I would do that again. And then very often I would do that again. 
And that's before I started, you know, quote unquote editing. So that's before I was looking for typos or logical errors or anything like that. I just wanted to get it really distilled. So the message was pure and simple and clear. And it's easy to say, but it does take work. So again, there are some kind of tried and true ways that people have gotten to this kind of simplicity. Um, One of them actually is if you have an overarching story or a metaphor, and the example we have used for so many years, and we still love it, is John Janch's duct tape marketing. You know, it's this metaphor, this simple metaphor. And in just a few words, you really get a sense of what John's about. You know, the simplicity, the usefulness, the practicality, the lack of fanciness. Sometimes you can also go with something that's more like a fable. You know, remember that when we tell a fable, that's the kind of story that has a moral. You know, at the end of it, you should be able to say, and the moral of the story is don't do that thing that we're warning you about. So sometimes fables and simple, simple stories, so simple and short, they're almost like jokes, same structure as jokes. Those kind of stories sometimes can simplify and distill an idea for you and just make it so the person can just get it. Now, it is my opinion that the simplicity of your premise, of your big idea, has to be something with some concreteness to it It has to be something that is an understandable thing. So for my money, some of the big premises, the big taglines that have been used, like just do it at Nike, just do it works really well for Nike and they make it work with a very complex and nuanced, you know, visual vocabulary. And we're bringing in all of the famous, famous um, sports figures that they are able to pay But for me, just do it is way too vague as a premise for my business. So I'm not saying it's a bad premise for Nike. I think it works really well for Nike. It wouldn't work well for me and it wouldn't work well for you probably because there's not enough meat there. There's not enough for somebody to hang on to and just get it. So don't distill it so much that it becomes like a cloud, you know, that just evaporates away. Make sure that there's still that, that meaning it's, it's resonant and it means something to the people who see the message. You know, they can't get it if it's just way, way overly vague. And then Brian's third element of uh, a great premise, the kind of premise that can really make a huge world of difference in how people see you, how people see your product or your service or even your job application is, is to be real, is to be authentic, to be genuine. You know, being plastic is very much out of fashion at the moment. Um, Now we're not arguing again to be a train wreck. Okay. So we don't have to get all that real about um, things that probably would be better served being private, but it's really about having an authentic voice. A lot of times it's about not trying to sound grand, not trying to sound big, not trying to, you know, when I started as a copywriter, I tried to brand my business, my one person business as like a big company. You know, I had a, I found a domain name that sort of sounded like maybe it was a telecom or something. And, um, don't, don't try and don't try and look big, try and look like what you are, which is small and interesting. 
And sometimes I find it interesting to think about the difference between fiction and lying when we're talking about being real. So for example, way back in the day, Johnny Truant wrote a really fascinating guest post for Copyblogger about all of the ways that he was more free to tell the truth, to tell the truth about things that matter under his pseudonym, because guess what? Johnny B. Truant is not his real name. That that pseudonym, that piece of fiction allowed him to be more honest about the things that were important because his name is not very important. It's, it's trivial. It's just a name. So sometimes think about that. Think about storytelling, not about misrepresenting what you are or what the product is or any of that at all. You never want to misrepresent. You never want to lie in the sense of telling something that if people find out the truth, they're angry. That's just a terrible idea. But sometimes a story gets to a truth more than just kind of a boring litany of the facts. You know, that's Wikipedia. That's fine. It serves a place, but it's typically not super persuasive and it's often not very interesting. And very much connected with being real is a point that Brian made about being credible, about being believable. So part of how we're credible, of course, is that, you know, we don't tell lies and we don't mislead people and we don't tell them that it's, you know, uh, a thousand gallons when really it's two ounces because that's just misleading and, and wrong. But there's also a very interesting line that exists and it exists differently in different cultures and in different moments. There's that interesting line between a big idea, a big promise and hype, you know, and we all actually kind of draw that line in different places on different topics. So a lot of the classic copywriting advice feels quite hypey now. Um, a lot of times you'll hear people talk about it as it sounds like an infomercial. You know, if it sounds like an infomercial, now, first thing to keep in mind is that infomercials actually still sell a lot of stuff. So sometimes we need to get over, you know, being, feeling uh, awkward about making a big promise. Sometimes it's really appropriate to make a big promise. But if the audience doesn't find it credible, then of course it's not going to work. And sometimes the credibility, people can find something non-credible that's perfectly true, that's factually, verifiably correct. And yet people still feels like it sounds too good to be true or it sounds hypey and they'll back off of it. So that's why credible and real are closely related, but they're two different points. And one of the great copywriter's secrets to making your copy or your persuasion credible is to provide proof. So you provide evidence that the argument that you're making is, is real and can be trusted. You know, you found that kind of spark of desire for the product or the service or the idea and you fanned it, but now people need some rational seeming benefits so that they feel free and they feel comfortable going forward. So those are your four elements of a premise that'll really open the doors to persuasion, open the doors to whether it's you're selling something, you're putting yourself out for some reason, you have a product or a service that you want to market, uh, you want to get, you know, more people to attend your church on Sunday. It doesn't matter what it is. You need this premise. And the premise should be unpredictable or, or interesting. You can use the word interesting as an alternative. It must be simple. It must be real. 
and it must be credible. Now, I mentioned that Brian Clark teaches what he calls the 5P structure. And this takes a traditional copywriting structure of promise, picture, proof, and push. And then it adds this idea of a really solid premise to open the conversation. And he spells all of that out for you. Again, it's a free ebook. It's called The 5P Approach to Copy That Crushes It. And I will give you the link. Just swing on over to copyblogger.fm and I will give you a link to go grab the ebook. We have a whole library of really solid content marketing ebooks and you can pick them up for free. You just um, join the free member library with your email address and you get instant access. And because we only open certification once or twice a year, I'm going to repeat myself a little bit um, and just remind you that if you are a writer and you are looking for a way to market yourself, to create a premise that brings in more clients or better clients, clients that respect your ability, clients that have good budgets for projects, certification could definitely be something that would be smart for you to look at. The registration is only going to be open briefly, so I would advise you go check it out if you know you're a writer and you work for clients and you'd like to have more and or better clients. So that's it for today. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you next week. Take care.